This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Our friends over at Pro Football Focus are at it again. I can't say it. They are at it again, Jacob. Some days I absolutely love them just because they're patting me on the back. It's how it always works. Patting the boys on the back. The next day they're telling me that Ben Roethlisberger was the 32nd best quarterback in week one after winning on the road against the Bills. Jacob Breck, Tom Opferman here, and we are about to bash Pro Football Focus in two Let's seconds here. I'm ready to bash him. I'm not. I'm not necessarily in, in good spirits, in the best of spirits f- for them. So I'm. I'm happy to bash them today. I'm not that outraged by this, but it is a little sus. It's a little suspect. They named their defensive player of the week in the AFC, Miles Garrett, this last week. And here's the <laughs> thing. I'm not too too crazy about it because. Although he only showed up with one sack on the stat sheet, he was beating Dan Moore a lot in that game. I think he, I saw he won over 50% of his pass rushes against Dan Moore. But Dan Moore's a rookie, and this was Dan Moore versus Miles Garrett pretty much all game long in a one-on-one situation. He barely got any help. Uh, the main play that sticks to mind where he got help was the Pat Fryermuth touchdown pass mm-hmm. where Najee Harris Najee threw Harris. a little chip yep. block at him to give Ben just that extra beat. To, and to be fair... If Najee Harris wasn't there... Probably wins the pass rush and gets past Dan yes. Moore and the Fryermuth route doesn't develop because you, he's you already watch, at Ben. You watch that play and you're thinking, oh bleep, Miles Garrett is coming for Ben's head. And when we were in the locker room this week and we were talking to Wolf, the one thing he said that Moore was doing below par was his slide step, his, his step backwards on the pass rush was just slow. His His technique on sliding was bad and Garrett was just blowing by him almost every time he wanted to. On the speed rush, it's going to happen. He's a rookie, and he was facing a potential defensive player of the year one-on-one pretty much all game long. So I think Dan Moore did a really good job. I saw some Steelers analyst out there saying, oh, the tackles are terrible, and Dan Moore got whooped up on all game long, and oh, my God, Ben had no time because Garrett, if it wasn't for Ben releasing the ball so fast, Garrett would have had like eight sacks. Okay, well, first of all, Ben releases the ball fast, so you can't make that what-if happen because he's – He's got the fastest release time in the NFL. It's it's part of the Steelers' plan to neutralize pass rushes. I mean, that's that's part of it. And number two, he's a fourth-round rookie, placing a number one overall pick, and he only allowed one sack. I know he got beat over 50% of the time, but guess what? His quarterback wasn't on his butt with the ball in his hand more than one time. That's a win, because no matter fault. what. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. a win. Like you said, Tom, fourth-round pick, to a number one, oh, this isn't just a first round pick. This is the number one overall pick, Miles Garrett was. This is a guy who's been in the defensive player of the race, similar to TJ Watt for the past couple of years. And you're telling me Miles Garrett deserves rounds of applause and, 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 and accolades galore because he got one sack on a fourth round rookie? You know who had a better game than Miles Garrett on defense? TJ Watt. TJ Watt. One and a half sacks. From on the Brown side, but no, absolutely. Statistical-wise, he had one and a half sacks. He had one QB hit. He had, I think, three tackles for loss, or maybe those numbers are reversed. One forced fumble, or one fumble recovery. You're right. The numbers were reversed. Three quarterback hits, one tackle for loss with the one and a half sacks. One and a half sacks. Six total tackles, the second most on the team. I mean... Yeah, that's Hello, where are those numbers for Miles Garrett? I I, I, I need my binoculars on because I can't find them. Miles Garrett had less total tackles. He had four. He had a half less sack with one. He had one more tackle for a loss with two. 
but he had one less quarterback hit than T.J. Watt did. Uh, look, uh, did they? Did either of them deserve Defensive Player of the Week? I don't know. Maybe there's someone out there that had a better performance on the AFC side of things defensively. But if you're looking at just that game in a vacuum, the best defensive player on the field was T.J. Watt, not Miles Garrett. So that's where I have my umbrage with pro Maybe football even focus. Ken Hayward. Yeah, you could probably throw him in there too, but. Miles Garrett needed to go out there and win that football game for the Browns. And I mean, he needed to force a fumble from Ben. He needed to punch the ball out from Najee Harris. He he needed to have that big turnover happen because it was very clear early in that Browns-Steelers game, this is defense. This is going to be all defense all game long. There's no offense that's going to be happening in this football game. So when you notice that's coming, I mean, Stan said it constantly when he came in for the postgame, need a turnover. You need a turnover to win this football game. The first team that forces that turnover is going to come out in front, and it was Schobert and Watt that were able to come away with that big turnover. Garrett, your offense was struggling. You needed to go out there and win them that football game, strip sack on Ben, and you could not do it. You got home to Ben once, but the ball was always out when you got there. Also. Yeah, and but every other time since then, the ball was already out when you got there, and you weren't able to force that big play. You're the number one pick in the draft a few years ago. You're the best defensive player on the Cleveland Browns. You're T.J. Watt's status for that football team. You're one of the best defensive players. You can make the argument you're the best defensive player in all of football. Go make a sure. play, win a football game, and he did not. No. So I don't understand why he gets the accolade now. Nor do I. I, I mean, even before Pro Football Focus, Focus um, stepped stepped into this conversation to to name their Player of the Week, Defensive Player of the Week for the AFC. I I was never seriously considering really any of the three guys that we mentioned: Cam, TJ, or Miles Garrett. They all played well. But that's not what I expect out of a, a of a conference defensive player of the week. You want multiple sacks, a forced turnover, not just of not a the recovery. recovery. Yeah, you want game breaking or game changing numbers or, or or an impact. And I think quietly, TJ and Cam obviously always help this defense in in order to win games, and that's what you saw out of them again on Sunday. But it wasn't their best day. So it wasn't going to kill me to see someone else get it. The reason it frustrates me is because Miles Garrett did nothing more, if not less, than the two of those guys did, and he still won it over them. Pro, it's important to remember this is pro football focuses, though. I, the NFL will come out with their players of the week today at some point. It's Wednesday, so it, it'll come out shortly here today. Do you think Miles Garrett wins it? No, I don't. I don't think T.J. Watt wins it either or Cam Hayward. It's going to kill me. No, it won't. Somebody else probably had a better performance in the AFC um, but, you know, T.J. Watt was the official NFL Defensive Player of the Week two weeks ago after the Sunday night performance against Seattle. But guess what? That's how you win a Defensive That's, Player of the Week. The reason he won it was because on back-to-back plays in overtime, he had two sacks and a fumble and a, and a forced fumble. He did what I'm yelling into this microphone for Miles Garrett to do against the Steelers. Go win the game by forcing that big strip sack that you recover in Steelers territory and make it super easy for your team to put points two on the board. Two plays later, three plays later. You're on the board. Yeah. Like, that's what he needed to do. And he just was not able to get the job done. So 
little umbrage there with pro football focus, but I'm not going to lose any sleep about it. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on with the Browns game, well, there's two things I want to touch on. Steelers rookie performance, first of all, and then second of all, I want to talk a little Baker Mayfield. So you can do a little goosebumps, choose your own adventure story here, Jacob. You want to go Baker or you want to go, go rookies? Let's go Baker first. Let's go, let's go I love a good Baker bashing. Fruit. I yes. love a good Baker bashing. Was anything more exciting than his late – it was kind of a later hit out of bounds from Minka. It Gets was Joe, it was Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden, Joe who, Hayden who gave the, the, the big the Minka big was corralling him towards yeah. the sidelines, and Hayden was the one that came over to clean him off. Gets up, throws the football, gives that big first down. Let's go! Wow! You got to get in the end zone if you're going to do that. Then. And then what? Two plays later, Whoopsie. Jarvis Landry. Joe uh, Schobert makes a big play, and the Steelers are going the other way. But you got to, much like how Miles Garrett needs to win that football game if he shows up dressed as the Grim Reaper, if you're going to late in that game, give me the let's go, fire up the crowd, big first down celebration, which it was, you better back up that talk and get in the end zone. It seems to me like a, a common trend in Baker's young career so far is a lot of. Uh, celebration and exuberance that is not backed up by play following that celebration. And, you know, I can't blame Baker Mayfield for the For getting pumped up? No, for the Jarvis Jarvis Landry Landry. fumble. I mean, I can't blame him for getting pumped up either. I'm just saying finish it off, though. Right. If you want to celebrate, celebrate when there are zeros on the clock and your team is is winning. That's also one that strikes me as if you're up 15 to 10 and you make that first down, that's a much bigger play than you're trying to get the ball into the end zone. Right. I know it wasn't 15, 10 at that you've point, extended but extended your drive. Yeah. You can continue to milk the clock, put the Steelers in a, in a worse and worse position that makes it look like they're going to lose. But you're scrambling. You got to get six at least. So like, I, I don't right. get this it. Isn't, this isn't a field goal to tie. Yeah. You were down by five points. You were down by a touchdown. You still have 35 yards to go. And you're celebrating as if you've already won the game. That's just a little fun poke of the beehive I wanted to take at Baker. The real thing I wanted to discuss is I don't think he should have played in that football game. I I think that shoulder's basically broken right now. And he airmailed a couple of passes. There were a couple passes that were really good, especially the one to Jarvis Landry that he dropped late in the game that would have been a first down for them. It was right. It was good coverage. It was just right in Jarvis Landry's hands. I'm not talking about the fourth and twelve play. I'm talking about the. It was like, literally uh, an out route, it. and it was in his hands. Drop. Good coverage. Great throw. Dropped, and he didn't get any that help there. The, that was the. Was that after or before the fumble? That was before the fumble. I was going to say. I think that was like the play before the fumble. And then, but other than that, really good throw. There was a lot that Baker just airmailed, and I know he isn't the most accurate quarterback when he's healthy. But you could kind of see he wasn't getting that full turn on his throw from his upper body. And I think it was having him float the ball a little bit more than he's used to. And especially the one play that sticks out to me is the target he had of Odell late in the game. Odell was wide open running down the middle of the field. He didn't need to throw it that. He almost wanted to lead him to the end zone at some point. Just zip one in there low, have him catch it, and he's tackled right away. But it's still a 15, 20-yard gain. He airmails Odell. Odell goes up with one hand to try to get a, a fingertip on it. He, even he couldn't jump up to grab that football. Yeah. He was a very inaccurate quarterback. And, again, I don't know if it was indicative of that's who he is as a quarterback when he's healthy. I, I just think they made a mistake and rushed him back a little too early from injury. And 
Honestly, now that he's back, I don't see him going to the bench unless he gets injured even further. So now you're stuck with Baker Mayfield trying to gut his way through that shoulder injury all year long. Since he didn't have the adequate enough time off, it's not going to heal properly all year. He's going to be dealing with injury, and I don't think he's good enough as a quarterback to fight through injury and still get you wins. I think you need Baker at 100% for him to be effective. And he was not at 100%. That was so clear. It was so clear. And that was... I'm not going to say that's what won the Steelers the game, but it definitely contributed. There were missed passes. There, there were, there were times when he just wasn't. He looked uncomfortable throwing the ball, and maybe even if it was a completed pass, maybe that ball gets the receiver half a second, a full second quicker, and that receiver has that extra time to make a cut on the defender rather than waiting for the ball to come to them and immediately being tackled. So it's it's in more ways than one that just inaccurate passes that Baker's soreness and 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 lingering injury played a big part in this game. Browns fans on social media are so funny, man. They either have they just disappear after a loss. Right? Not they just they see, just no, not really. They're I see them being just as acidic as as ever, and they oh, see, a, a couple of them to, that I that I know of disappeared just. We're talking as much as I've ever seen a Browns fan talk before Steelers game and then had absolutely nothing to say. After. Well, I still see them, you know, on under national people in the comments being like, no, the Browns beat themselves or no, the Browns are still a great team or Baker's still the good quarterback that he is. Their faith in Baker Mayfield. I get it because I, they have I not get it. No, see, here's why I get it. They have not seen even decent quarterback play for two decades in that city, and now they have at least an average one. But they're going to Andy Dalton themselves. They're going to get a bigger, uh, not a big contract. He's not going to get Herbert money, who what he'll get eventually. He's not going to get uh, Mahomes kind of money, no, Allen money. Does not deserve it. The but Browns, he's going to get. I can't believe the Browns would make that big of a mistake. He's going to get them him. Giving him that money. He's going to get Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins kind of money though. He's mm-hmm. going to get a pretty handsome payday. And you can't get stuck with the Jimmy G's and the Kirk Cousins and the Andy Daltons. But a, I, you're going to lock yourself into a Baker Mayfield contract. B is going to limit. You're going to limit yourself by bringing in other pieces by spending that much money. I on don't him. get why they're so high on he's the guy, he's the future. I know you don't want to go back on that quarterback carousel, but man, you might have to go back on that quarterback carousel because he's just not the number one overall pick in the draft in a draft class where. By the way, two other quarterbacks that were taken, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, have already reached superstar status. So, yeah, like, Baker is nowhere near superstar. Exactly. Baker is near commercial star. He's the biggest commercial star in the NFL, you could argue. But, yeah, he's – I would not give him that contract yet. I think franchise tag is probably the best way to go with Baker Mayfield, which you have to pay him a lot of money in that one season – but I think it's best to go year by year with a guy like that. You you don't want to tie yourself down to that long-term deal yet, Browns fans. Trust me. And the thing that sucks the most is when you know people who are on Steelers Nation Radio try to say that. Browns fans think you're just being a hater. Honestly, I'm trying to help you. Like It would be <laughs> worse for us if you didn't sign Baker and franchise tagged him and kept your options open. I want you to sign him to a long-term right, deal. We're, we're, it's the wrong choice, though. It, it is not in any way like a, re- a reverse psychology type of no. ruse that we're putting on you guys. No, I want you to sign him long-term because that's the best-case scenario, I think, for the Steelers, Bengals, and Ravens for the, the time moving forward. But as just an analyst of football, 
I'm telling you, that's a bad idea. That's a bad move. Go get Aaron Rodgers, honestly, because I think you got the capital to do so. But that's a if bad move. If you spend move. the money on Baker Mayfield, that's out the it. window. Well, and then why would you? Because you already you, you believe you, you in spent, him because you've you locked him up. Your, you spent your money on your quarterback. It's a bad move, though. I would be very careful with the way I handle Baker Mayfield. I, I think franchise tag is absolutely the route to go. There's nothing wrong with the mentality of winning now, right? If you get your Super Bowl championship, that is the goal. So what is the harm done if you say bye-bye to Baker Mayfield, you spend your money on Aaron Rodgers, he spend gets, your draft capital on Aaron Rodgers. He gets you a Super Bowl. It's the over. Thing that you did, you you did not think possible. Only what three, four years ago. Browns fans would take five zero in sixteen seasons in a row if it meant they won a one Super, Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, I would even take that if, for the even, Steelers. Even if Aaron Rodgers is there for three years, he gets you one. Look at the Chiefs right now. They've gone, they've they've gone back to back years. They went to an AC Championship game the year before. Right now, three straight years they've been in at least the final four. Right now. They're not too happy with themselves, but guess what? They're laughing at everyone else because, ha ha, we got our ring. What what do you have, Pittsburgh Steelers? What what do you have, New England Patriots? What do you have, anyone else in the league that isn't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Not named Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Chiefs are having a struggle of it this year. They'll be back. I I, I believe that they'll be back. I think but Mahomes still, will be back. They got their ring. Right. The Cleveland Browns. Don't have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. They the problem with the Chiefs is like we put this expectation on them like, oh, they're the next Patriots. They're going to be in the, the Final Four every year. AFC Championship game is the floor for them now. And we were, weren't able to really appreciate how good they were in that three-year stretch where they went to the AFC Championship game three times in a row, Super Bowl twice in a row, and won the Super Bowl once. Like In the NFL, dynasties are so incredibly hard to come by. So just looking at that three-year period in a vacuum, that was Chiefs dominance. They did a really strong job in that three-year window, and they should be applauded for it. Now they're they're kind of down a little bit, and now you see how will they build things back up? Will Mahomes bounce back and be a little more protective of the football? Will they get back on track? Yeah, they probably will. But this is how the NFL works for the most part. The Patriots and Brady have just skewed everything for everybody. They, There's a reason you haven't seen a back-to-back -back championship team since Brady did it in 03-04. And Brady, unfortunately, drove the stake in the heart of the last team that tried to do it, the Seattle Seahawks. So It wasn't Brady, it was Malcolm. It, right. was, it was really Pete Carroll. Who drove the stake into his own heart. Yeah. But yeah, it's impossible to have stringed success in this league. That's why franchises like the Steelers, who are I know haven't had the playoff success lately, but they're still getting to the playoffs and they're still winning a lot of games. The Packers with Rodgers, I know they you know, kind of get that choker mentality towards them because he can't get past the NFC Championship game now, but he's always there. Like, that is so rare in the NFL to have that kind of stringed success, and the Browns haven't even started on that path yet, so you don't want them to get too far in front of themselves, but oops, now we have to figure out our quarterback and all we have to show for in this, because I'd say it's a three-year area now where they've been a good football team on paper. Yeah. Three years, they have one playoff win to show for it. That's that's not good enough for capitalizing on the short windows that you have in the NFL. Guess what? The Pittsburgh Steelers have been criticized for winning three playoff games in the last decade. You have one in the last three years. What does that spell? Three over a 10-year span. And a team that's on paper that should be winning more than that. So uh, I guess my whole point in this is that windows are small in the NFL. Of course they are. And 
you can't be messing around with an average quarterback because that's you keep windows open longer than they they should be with guys like Rodgers, Roethlisberger, Brady. You don't keep them open with guys like Mayfield. And if you allow Baker, if you pay Baker Mayfield, yes, you could have regular season success, but your playoff success seems to be very, very limited. Like, I the one thing I saw from Browns fans on Twitter was. Well, at least we're not 0-16. At least we're not 1-15. Right Which is now. a good mentality for them to have because it's true. But your 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 ceiling is so much higher. I get no, that. I agree. That, that right now your team is far better than than that team from five five or four years ago. But it shouldn't matter. That that era is over with. You have a you have yes. a great team. You have a great coach. You don't. You should. You should never mention that 0-15. 16, 1 and 31 stretch ever again. The goal, or excuse me, it's a failure if you don't make the playoffs now for the Browns. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting at 9 and 8 and you're the 8 seed and you're watching the Pittsburgh Steelers go in as the 7 seed and play in the first round, or you're watching the Chiefs ga- grab that 7 seed from you at the end of the year, it is a failure Absolutely. of a season for the Browns. I mean, you honestly had the expectations that they could win the division this year. No, not not just you had them. We fully expected the I, Browns. I to picked be the them a- to win the division. So did I. We fully expected the AFC North division champions to be the Cleveland Browns. I don't think that's happening anymore. No, uh, Ravens have a really good lead on people now. One game up on the Steelers. One and a half up, game up on the Steelers. But they and have one the game up on the Bengals. Right now on the Bengals. Right. Well, the Bengals have the tiebreaker on them. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. But they're one game up on them. Yeah. And, and, or half—oh, my God, it's so confusing with bye weeks. They're half a game up on the Bengals because they have one less loss, same amount of wins. They're one and a half game up on the Steelers because the Steelers have one less win and one more loss. But And the Browns at 4-4 four and four are well in the rearview mirror of the Baltimore Ravens. But it's a tough hill for them to climb, and it's not exactly the easiest schedule in the world for the Browns to have to deal yeah. with. So, uh, I don't know if they can get back to the top of the AFC North. It's pretty wide open still, but they might be the one team, which is so weird to think of because just three weeks ago it was the Steelers in this spot. But I think the Browns are the one team I would say are most likely eliminated from the division race. Still very much alive in the wild card hunt, but they're in a pretty decent hole now as far as the division is concerned. They already have a loss to the Steelers, and now they got to go play the Bengals in Cincinnati next week. That's not a guaranteed win at all. Especially with Cincinnati being on high alert after the Jets' loss. Which happens to young, growing teams. Sure it does. But, I mean... But you know what else happens to young, growing teams? They can bounce back. Spitting acid in the face of their next opponent and really running it up on them. Not just the next opponent, but that opponent being a division A big rivalry game, yeah. Is also vying for that division race. I mean, I don't know who's going to win. I think at this point it's safe to say... The early favorite, or I guess the 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 halfway point favorite, is the the Baltimore Ravens, but still, so you're you're at this point competing for the number one wild card spot in your division. The Bengals won it. The Bengals oh, yeah. won it bad, and and they believe they can get there. And so after losing to the Jets, which of course can happen not just to young teams but to older teams, as we've seen uh, the Tennessee Titans do earlier this season, we've seen the unfortunately the Pittsburgh Steelers do it several times in the past it's a good learning experience and it's a good way to get yourselves pumped up maybe maybe that's what it was Tom maybe it was the the Bengals were looking ahead to that Browns game after beating 
after beating the Ravens, saying, well, hey, if we could beat the Ravens, we sure as hell could beat the Browns. Who's even looking at the Jets? And they just got caught. It would make sense to root for the Browns, though, this week against the Bengals. Bengals way, in front of the Steelers. That way it makes sense. Is it wrong that I just want the Browns to lose, though? No, not at all. Because the Steelers still have a chance to take care of their own business against Cincinnati. So it's not like we really need extra help against them. So I'd love to see the Browns go to a five-loss hole on the season, especially with the Steelers probably beating the Bears, so they'll only have three. The Bengals would get a win, obviously, if the Browns lost, so they'd have three losses. And even if the Ravens were upset and lost this week, they'd have three losses. So the, the Browns would be two losses back in against everybody else in the division if they were to suffer this loss. It's a huge swing game in the state of Ohio this week. Real quick before wrapping this up, got to just tip our cap to the Steelers rookies. Uh, when we were in the locker room with Wolf on Monday this week, we talked a lot about the rookie performances. I mean, Najee and Fryermuth are the ones that get, you know, all the praise nationally because they're they're playmakers, especially Najee Harris. I mean, I think he's fully back in the rookie of the year race because the Steelers are fully back in the playoff race. And if they get there, it's going to be on number 22 shoulders. I don't think he ever left since the Green Bay game. I think what was problem was Jamar Chase is just such a freak that if the Steelers weren't going to be a good team, Najee's dominance might be lost. They're back to being a good team and on the radar, though. So I think he's well back on the ra- – it's Jamar and Najee, I think, 1-2 one, one right two. now. Uh, Fryermuth is obviously having a really good rookie season as well. Had his best game of the year. But it's the other ones, too, that are playing well. Green and, and Moore on the de- on the offensive line, I, I, they're having growing pains, but they're getting the job done at least, and they're improving every single week. And then there's guys like Trey Norwood who – is contributing so much more than you'd ever expect him to contribute this, this year. This is a guy who we said during training camp. Get time, cut. We thought he was going to get cut. We did not think he would make the final 53. No, I didn't at all. But he, there he is not only making the final 53, but getting ahead on game day and playing more than just special teams. He didn't play that much against the Browns, but as Tomlin said in his post game, he went a lot run-heavy personnel. So Norwood and the, the backup defensive backs didn't see they the didn't field have much as much. No. In that scheme. Uh, but he has been used a lot all year, and he still made a pretty decent play against against the Browns this week. So Norwood's been playing well. Isaiah Loudermilk was supposed to be a redshirt guy this year, but because of the injuries on the defensive line, he played like six or seven snaps against the Browns. Got a sack against the Browns. This is his second sack on the season already. So uh, for a guy that was supposed to just redshirt this year and get used to the NFL and ramp things up in practice and develop his body into being an NFL player, he's thrown into the fire and he's doing very well for being thrown into the fire. So the youth on this team and the rookie contributions, it's so nice to see because it's helping this team this year try to get back to the playoffs for Ben's last hurrah. But it's also nice to see because what it means for the future. It's 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 not a desolate post-apocalyptic wasteland past Ben anymore because all these young players are playing They're well early. Up. Yeah, so I, the future is bright for Pittsburgh. They just need to get that guy in the driver's seat once Ben's gone. But other than that, the team around the quarterback position is looking really strong, and you got to at least feel somewhat warmer about the prospects of breaking in a younger rookie quarterback mm-hmm. maybe or breaking in Mason Rudolph because of the pieces, because around, of the pieces him. around him are so good and only going to, in the case of Najee, Fryermuth, and the two linemen, I think Certainly only going to get better. improve yeah. as, as their careers move on. And Najee and, is improving. Past three games – 127 yards from scrimmage is his average. That's like one of the best in the NFL. That, I would take that from a guy who's been in the league for four years. Exactly. Right? That That's something that Le'Veon Bell was doing. That's something that you expected Antonio Brown to do, even though most of that came through the passing game. 
This is something a kid his a, a kid. This is something that Andre Harris has been doing only seven weeks into his career, Tom. <laughs> seven it's crazy. weeks. It's crazy to think about, but he's he's a pro already. Yep. It's those Alabama boys, man. They are so ready to play in the NFL. I mean, you're seeing it out of the rookie quarterback that's playing the best right now and has his team in playoff position. And I'll, and I'll be honest, Tom, I got it all wrong on Mac Jones. I thought it was the pieces around him. I thought it was Alex Leatherwood on the offensive line, and I'm blanking on the uh, – was it Darisaw who also came from – uh, Alabama. There were two offensive linemen out of Alabama who went in the first round. There was Najee Harris. There was uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Yep. I thought it was all those pieces around him that made Mac Jones play well. But guess what? He just won against the L.A. Chargers. In L.A. In a big game that the Patriots had to have. Of course, the Patriots' defense had a lot to do with that. Pick six Pick was six big. To, to, to lock it up, but still. No, Mac Jones is a very, what you don't see out of rookie quarterbacks much, efficient and accurate. So that's why I think he's going to have a really good year moving forward. I can't believe that those guys found a quarterback already. It makes that's me sick. So but they're 4-4, four and four and they're right in the playoff race. So Mac Jones playing better than any of the rookie quarterbacks. And again, Nick Saban just has those boys ready to play NFL football because it's like an NFL team down there. It is. I mean, this is the only Bama quarterback that I can think of that in recent memory that has done anything in the NFL this early on. We'll see if the success is sustained. But right now, the Patriots look like a team that can definitely make a push for that 7th or 6th seed come December. It is a crowded playoff race in the AFC for those wild cards, and I don't see that changing at all throughout the season. It's very top-heavy in the NFC. I think the NFC still has the four best teams in football. I think the AFC is wide open But the AFC has so much talent from top to middle, a lot more than the NFC. As it stands right now, any team that could make it one through seven, I think could get to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I think it's wide open. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman. We always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Keep an eye out for some episodes we do later this week, and we will look forward to talking to you then.